0: Good morning everyone, It's wonderful to see you this morning. I hope this has been a good week for you and you've experienced the Lord's blessing. It's a wonderful opportunity for us to come together and not only break the body and the blood of Christ together, but also to have a really good spiritual meal as we break the word of God and we feed our spirits and allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and to encourage us and I hope that that's the way it is for you today. Uh, if you're visiting with us today, my name is David Rodecup, I'm an in, interim minister here for a few weeks and uh, it's always wonderful to come and be with you all truly on a Sunday morning. <clears throat> today, I want you to know that uh, this is a sermon, a special sermon for me. If someone came to me and said, you have one opportunity, one opportunity and one opportunity alone to speak to a group of people about some issue in their spiritual lives, you know, uh, th- this is the sermon that I would choose. I think it's really that important. It's a critical, critical thought from King Solomon. And the reason I love this sermon so much is that it really deals with our everyday nitty gritty down in the trenches life. The topic we wanna talk about today is truly one of the most important topics in all of scripture when it comes to your life. Our topic today, if you can believe me this morning, is actually more important than your spouse or attention to your family. It's more important than your degree or your work more important than your role in the church as well, more important than your health even, or your reputation, or your influence. This topic is more important than your activities, the books you read, your hobbies, your friends, your extended family, that new truck you're thinking about buying, your coming promotion at work, or your retirement. Our topic today is a critical one which will absolutely determine the outcome of your life and your future. And you say this morning, well, what is that topic? It seems to be very important, and it is important. And the topic we want to talk about today is simply your heart, your heart. The word heart appears over a thousand times in scripture. The Greek word for heart is the word cardia, from which the words cardiac and cardiovascular come. When we talk about the heart biblically, when scripture uses the term heart, what does it actually mean? What is it making reference to Well, scripture teaches us that our heart, as it were, is actually the key to our life. It's the center of who we are. We could say today that the heart is the personal spiritual compass of your life. Maybe even call it it the, the gyroscope of your life. Today, if you're into IT, we could say that your heart is the motherboard of who you are. The heart is the place where the Holy Spirit lives in our lives once we accept Christ as our savior. Within our hearts, brothers and sisters, are kept the most personal, intimate thoughts and dreams and motives and desires. There are things that are kept so deeply in each of our hearts that not even our spouse or our closest friends know about those things, and that's really the way it should be. It's a very, very personal, very private, very intimate place, your heart. There are things that uh, we need to think about when it comes to talking about the issue here that Solomon deals with in his heart, and to continue to try to explain what I'm talking about today, Max Lucado wrote in one of his excellent books and, and described what the Bible says the heart is. He says, the heart is the totality of the inner person, the control tower, the cockpit. Giving the Hebrew definition, he says, the heart was thought of as the seat of character, The origin of desires, affections, perceptions, thoughts, reasoning, imagination, conscience, intentions, purpose, will, and faith. And brothers and sisters, that's how important the heart is in every one of our lives. So when we think about it, here's really the bottom line. The heart, as we would use that term, is our inner core. It's the inner man, the inner person uh, that that, that we each uh, live with every day. Paul understood the concept of the heart biblically, and he, on three occasions in his writings, used the word inner man. Also, interestingly enough, Jesus uses the phrase inner man as well three times in the Gospels. Plato actually recognized this hundreds of years before Christ, recognized this place, and in his philosophical writings called this place the inner shrine, the inner place where someone would worship. So maybe today we can see why Solomon wrote to us these very important words. There are three admonitions in these verses we want to read today. Three main points that Solomon makes in verse 23. And I'd like just to go ahead and put these on the screen right now. And we want to read these verses. This is from uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 23. Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs as a direction, guide, and instruction book for the over 50 sons that he had. The book at the very beginning says, this book is for my sons. It's a guide book for your life uh, forever. And so very positive that we would see that and know that in terms of the weight of these particular texts. So reading Proverbs 4, here's what Solomon wrote. He said, my son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. And then our text for today, verse 23, he says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And brothers and sisters, that's my whole message for you today. Above all else, guard your heart. Guard your heart, because it is the wellspring of life. Let's take the first part of this verse where Solomon says, above all else, above all else. In the Hebrew language, when a writer wanted to write a sentence or speak a sentence, you always put the most important thing at the first part of the sentence. So when Solomon writes here and says, above all else, isn't it interesting that he didn't say, you know, above most things, or he didn't say uh, above uh, uh, other things that might be in your life, he says this, He says, uh, above all else, above everything else, the most important thing in your life. It's an interesting introduction to this verse. He says, more important than anything else is simply this, as we, we think about this along. He says, I want you to guard your heart. More important than anything else, I want you to guard your heart. In light of this admonition, this should really pique our interest about what does he say about the rest of this whole process? So moving to point number two, which I simply call the imperative, which is his statement, above all else, guard your heart, guard your heart. The Hebrew word for guard here literally means to post a sentry. It means to put a guard in place. And in the Hebrew language, interestingly enough, linguistically, this is a command that Solomon is giving. He's not making a suggestion here. He's saying to his sons, "Sons, above all else, above everything else in your life, do this. Guard your heart guard your heart. What comes to mind when we think about the idea of a guard? If I say the word guard, what do you immediately think of? It could be a number of different things. Someone at a bank, someone uh, uh, on a military base, something like that. Uh, I had the wonderful opportunity to preach in Boulder, Colorado. I think I mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago Uh, at Boulder Valley Christian Church. I was there there eight years and just had a wonderful experience out there. Near Boulder, Colorado, there is a very interesting government installation. And the government installation is called Rocky Flats. As a matter of fact, we have a picture of it up on the screen right now. This is a very significant uh, place because it is entirely circled with high uh, chain link fence and razor wire. And this is an important place because at Rocky Flats, They make all of the triggers for all of the bombs in our entire nuclear arsenal, so you can understand why it is guarded 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and the guard force there is very, very formidable. Well, one of the men in our church worked for a company named Wackenhut, who provided all the guard service for this place, and he was in our life group, our small home Bible study group, so I knew Jim very well, and one day... About 5 o'clock in the afternoon, as we were beginning to close things down for the day in the church office, there was a knock on my door, and I said, come in, and Jim comes in, and he's got on his, uh, his, his guard uniform. <clears throat> he comes into my office, and he sits down, his face is red, and I said, Jim, is something wrong? And he said, Dave, I just had to come and see you for a moment today before I went home. I just need to settle down, and maybe you could pray with me uh, because of what happened at work today. And I said, well, just tell me the story. He said, well, there was a large news conference uh, at Rocky Flats today, and people were coming to the guard post, and we were checking their credentials, mainly reporters and things like that, letting them in for this news conference. And he said, after everybody had cleared and was down at the building where they were going to do that, maybe 10 minutes later, he said, all of a sudden, tires are screeching, and a car comes around the corner and just flies up to the guard post, slams on its brakes, throws gravel everywhere, and I walked around to the window to get his, his credentials, and the guy rolled his window down and he said, hey, look, look, here's the deal, I am the evening reporter on Channel 5. He said, look, you, you, I'm sure you know me, you've seen me before. And Jim said, I looked into the guy's face, and it was the guy that I, I watched every night on the news. And he said, yeah, you know, actually, I do recognize you, and that's fine, just get, let me check your credentials. And the reporter said, that's the problem, I left my credentials at my office. But I'll tell you, we have to be in that building right now covering this. And uh, look, you know who I am. You know I'm not a terrorist. I mean, l- just lift up the gate and let me get in. Jim said, sir, you know, I actually understand your dilemma. And uh, I, under- I actually do know who you are. But the regulations are that no one but no one gets into this facility without their credentials. So I'm sorry. If you don't have them, you simply can't come in. And he said, the reporter looked up at him and he said, look, what are you doing? This is ridiculous. You know who I am. Lift that gate up and let me get in there. And Jim said, sir, I understand your consternation. I really do. You simply cannot enter the premises if you don't have your credentials. And he said, the guard, uh, the uh, uh, reporter said to him, you know, I'm just going to put my car in gear, just drive through that stupid two-by-four there and get to where I need to be. And Jim said, sir, if you choose to do that, let me explain to you what will happen. Uh, I will draw my 45 caliber weapon along with six of my my colleagues and we will empty our guns uh, into the back of your car through the window. So I would think very carefully uh, about the next two or three minutes of your life as to what you want to do. He said the guy sat there and revved the engine and had his, had his uh, hand on the shift gear and finally put it in reverse and backed up and threw gravel away again and, and just, you know, just screeched his tires and took off. And he said, Dave, you know, I am just, uh, I'm still really just, I just need some time. I need for us to pray together. And I said, Jim, let me ask you this question. If, in fact, the guy had driven through the two-by-four there, uh, would you all honestly have taken him out? And he said, Dave, we didn't have any choice. Of course we would have. And that would have been the great tragedy uh, in that situation. So we had prayer together, and uh, I, I just appreciated what he had gone through and the situation that he had faced in that particular hour. Brothers and sisters, we guard things that are important. You know, you know what I mean by that? Locking our doors every night before we go to bed, locking our cars in the parking lot. We guard things that are important. And the entire admonition that Solomon gives us today is this, he says, in your life and in your experience, there is something incredibly important in your life. He says, it's your heart, it's the source of who you are. And Solomon says, all through your life, there are forces to destroy your heart and destroy your mind and destroy your family and your marriage and your business and your health and every single thing they can destroy. And we all know who that is. So brothers and sisters, let us strongly take this, this exhortation as we think about the idea of truly, truly guarding our heart. There are soldiers at airports. We have them now here. And let me tell you, if you travel in Europe, you get off at any main city, as you're getting off the plane, there are men and women dressed in black and they have, all have AK-47s and they are fully armed You know, guards. I know the president's secret service, you can always see, I think they call it the beast, if I'm not mistaken, the car he drives in, he rides in, and there are guards always around him at all times in every, every way. I know that in some very, very large banks in large cities, there are uniformed guards in the lobby of those banks to protect that which is important there. So the bottom line is this, that we do guard that which is important. And this is why Solomon says, please, He says, sons, please listen to me. Guard your heart, guard your heart, guard your heart. It's so important. Let me envision, give you you an example of what I'm talking about just in concrete terms today. I think if Solomon were here today, he might kind of share this idea about guarding your heart. Today, i want to put up on our screen, and actually I'd like for you just to envision right up on, on the screen here, a huge heart, red heart, about 15 feet tall. I'll just put this one up on the screen. It kind of represents your heart and my heart. In guarding your heart, the very first thing I would ask you to do is station a SWAT team around your heart. I know a couple of guys who are on SWAT teams, and let me tell you, they are heavy-duty, serious, serious guards. Put a SWAT team around your heart, and then I think we should all dig a moat around our heart and fill it 30 feet deep and fill it with water, 30 feet wide. In this moat, there are actually alligators also, Hungry alligators. With my my IT ability, I don't know how to put them in there. So they're they're under the surface right now, but there are alligators in there as well. We should also put a circle of razor wire around our hearts. I don't know if you've ever seen or worked with razor wire. It's bad stuff. We put a a circle of razor wire around our heart, and then we light a ring of fire out beyond the the razor wire. Six-foot-tall. Uh, a fire event, protecting that. And then beyond the, beyond the fire, we simply grow a hedge of thorns, long, sharp thorns, and we put all of these guards around our heart. And you know how we have this operating, brothers and sisters? Every day, every day, we use these things to do exactly what Solomon said, to guard our heart. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you today, if we leave our hearts unguarded or we leave them neglected, we can be invaded and conquered And there's some of us in this room today who have had that experience already in our lives and we know what it's like. Chuck Swindoll wrote about this topic and said, sadly, many of us may be tempted to be more concerned with the oil levels in our cars than we are with the condition of our hearts. So brothers and sisters, listen to me today. I want you to guard your heart every single day. I want you to be aware of this, be cognizant, cognizant of the fact that spiritual warfare is a very, very real thing, especially in the lives of men and women who are growing in Jesus Christ and moving forward. Guard your heart. Last of all is simply the practicality of what, what he's saying here, the practicality. He says, guard your heart, above all else, guard your heart, for from it flow the wellsprings or the issues of life. This last admonition Solomon gives us is critical for all of us today because our life actually flows out of our hearts. Who we are, what we do, what we think, what our motives are, what our dreams are, all of these things come absolutely from the center of who we are. They come from our heart. Yatsah is the Hebrew word here in this verse that means source or origin. The word literally means Uh, the idea that all of our thoughts and motives, decisions all come from this place. This is the source. It it is possibly the the, the, the head water. It's the place where the the river begins, the source from all, all of these things. In understanding this then, we have to know that the heart is vital to everything else in our lives. The heart is number one. A wound to the heart brings weakness everywhere else. Corruption here, sends pollution everywhere else. Filth in the heart turns words into vulgarities, thoughts into obscenities, and desires into wicked imaginings. On the other hand, purity in the heart puts holiness everywhere else. Integrity in the heart puts compassion and patience and understanding everywhere else. Our hearts, The source in our lives literally determine who we are and what we will do. What then does this look like? If we talk about applying this to our daily lives, we leave here today, we go to work or whatever we would do tomorrow morning, our daily in-the-trenches lives, what does this look like? Let me take just a little bit of time, brothers and sisters, and make an application here. Apply this to our lives. What would it look like if we were really guarding our hearts? Just a couple of areas I want to throw out. It is Satan's plan to daily attack the citadel of your heart. He has a plan for you, and he has a plan for your marriage and for your children. Jesus told us himself, the evil one comes to, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So we must be so careful about guarding actually what goes into our hearts, basically. I think we should be ke- very careful about what we see, what comes in through the eye gate, and what we hear, what comes in through the ear gate. And we have to be careful about what we think about and about our actions as well. Interesting, Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We become what we think about. I know this is not new to you. You've heard this many times. It's really the truth, though. What we allow to stay in our minds and what we think about in time, actually, is what we become. There's an old Chinese proverb you may have heard that says, you can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from building a nest in your hair. And that's the whole idea. We may have thoughts that we shouldn't entertain as believers in Christ. And having the thought is not the sin. The The sin is not having the thought. It's when we hold on to that thought and we entertain it and we allow it to really take root in our heart. So we must guard what comes into our hearts. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you today, our thoughts make up our lives. It's really true. What we think about makes up basically who we are. So would you please be careful about the following areas? Let me just mention the television set at home. Can we just begin there, our TV um, I'm not. I'm not saying to you. I think you should all go home, take all the t- all the TVs out of your house, and throw them out. Throw them out in the back ash pile back there. You know, I'm not saying that. Although, <laughs> would it help? Would it help us to watch less TV? You know, uh, there are times when I, d- I just turn it off. I really do. You know, I, I'm just full. And I, but would you would you please be careful? Let me tell you what's going on right now. The obscenity laws were struck down in one of the uh, administrations in our government about eight years ago. And there are no obscenity laws right now about what you can put on TV. They don't put a lot of horrible stuff on there in terms of language because they know there'll be a kickback. But right now, as we sit here, the the obscenity laws are no longer there. I have a friend who's heading up an organization to have those laws fired back up and put them on the books. But it's, it's not only obscenity. Uh, I know that you, no doubt, watch enough TV to know along with me the incredible amount of filth, I would say, immorality, murder, lying, betrayal, uh, and the list just goes on and on. And brothers and sisters, I think Solomon would say to us, you know, please, would you please be careful about loading your mind up with that every night or every day, because what we think about and what we look at and what we allow to get on the inside is what we are tempted to become. So whether it's TV, we could talk about movies as well. Uh, I I know that there are some Christians who say, well, I I watch pretty bad movies, but it it doesn't bother me. It just goes like water off a duck's back. And I will just say that psychologically, that is absolutely not true. You may think that it is is affecting you that way, but it, it is not true. So it's it's TV, our movies, maybe the reading material that we're involved in. True story, I went to get my hair cut two or three years ago and had an appointment, went in, sat down. The lady came out and she said, you're here on time. We have a woman in the back. We colored her hair red the way she wanted it colored and no one knows what happened, but it came out like fire engine red. And so we're all back there trying to fix this. So I'll be about a half an hour. And I said, oh, that's fine. I'm, I'm in no hurry. I just picked up a stack of magazines laying, you know, right there by my chair, and and I just began thumbing through. It was a men's health, and there were several ladies' magazines there. And I, I'm just let me just tell you, in mainline women's magazines, there are art- articles very clearly of soft porn. They're there, and these are some of the mainline magazines that that are out there for women. And, of course, the men's magazines, I don't have to tell you about that. In in other words, when you discover that you're reading something that is not what what you need to be reading, that is not good for your heart, here's what we do, brothers and sisters. We guard our heart. We follow what Solomon is saying here, and we guard our heart, and we don't let those things in. I am only with you for one more Sunday. Next Sunday will probably be my last one for quite a while. And so I just want to say this to you. One of the main things we deal with right now in the church, I'm sorry to talk about this topic in this, holy, in this holy place, is pornography and the massive inroads it is making into the lives of Christian men in the church. You know, if you don't claim Christ and you want to live outside the kingdom of God, it, it's a decision we all have to make. But if we are baptized, born-again, Bible-believing Christians... Brothers and sisters, we made a promise when we were baptized. And we promised that we would live as close to Christ. We would guard our hearts. We would do whatever we needed to do to protect ourselves and to live close to Christ, to grow in our spiritual lives. Uh, I have This is my 34th year of teaching young men and women who are going into the ministry. Okay, That, that is what I've done out of my career, 34 years. And I'm just telling you, the men that I've discipled, Uh, The girls who were on my staff at Cincinnati Christian University running the dorms. I'm just telling you, it is a problem for men and women both. Men and women both. Uh, I know I'm a guest here. Please forgive me in advance if this is too much. But I just have this one opportunity this morning. Let, Let me just speak to you today from my heart. If you are struggling with pornography today, in light of our topic in any way, shape, or form. Today, in, in, in my love for you as your brother in Christ, I am calling you out today. I'm calling you out. I'm asking you to stop and think about that and do something in concrete terms to take, take a spiritual knife and cut that area out of your life once and for all. Brothers and sisters, you have no idea how devastating spiritually, emotionally, and psychologically pornography is to any man or any woman who participates in that. I'm asking you today to repent, stop that, stop doing that, and and surrender that that area to the Lordship of Christ. If there's any place that you should be guarding your heart, it's in in that area for sure. I know also that Satan can come to us, and it's the issue of anger. It's the issue of bitterness towards someone who really, really stabbed us in the back. You know, I had an idea at work, I shared it with my friend, and they turned the idea in as their own, and they got the bonus, not me. Uh, there are all kinds of reasons that we can be angry, we can be bitter. Most of us have gone through wars. most of us have had a lot of hard hits at potholes in our lives. It just, it's part of, the, of, the daily, of of the routine of life. And I would say that if you are struggling with that area in your life, please follow what Jesus asked you to do. when he said, God puts up all the time with people who do terrible things and you need need to have a forgiving heart. You need to forgive those who have offended you from your mind first and then your emotions will catch up later, which is okay. Jesus says, do good things to people who, who wound you. Pray for them. And above all, do not seek revenge against anyone who has done something. Turn it over to God and let him have it. And so, brothers and sisters, even in that area, when it comes to angerness, to anger or bitterness or the desire for revenge, uh, we surrender this area to Christ, and we let him have it, you know, and he, he takes it away from our lives. <clears throat> I just want to mention a couple of scriptures as we come down to our closing, talking about what we need to, to guard ourselves with. David writes in Psalm 101, and he says, I will walk within my house in the integrity of my heart. Listen to this. I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. uh, David wrote in the book of Psalms a very, very powerful thought when he wrote and said, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Create in me a clean heart and renew within me a right spirit. And brothers and sisters, that needs to be our prayer today. So as we think about the word of God here in our service, in our service, we think about this message from, from Solomon. It's such a powerful point that he's saying to us in all of your life, in every area, just do this, and your life will be so much better. Just do this, guard your heart. And brothers and sisters, that's my prayer for you today, that you will guard your heart. I asked the church secretary uh, to add something to her to-do list today, and I asked her to make a card that has our verse today on it uh, that, uh, that I asked that it be passed out. When you came in today, I'm assuming you probably got one of these with your communion cup. If you didn't, there are a lot out in the foyer. Let me tell you what I would ask you to do. On the mirror where you put your makeup on in the morning or you shave, or you just take a piece of tape and just tape this to the mirror in the morning so that every day when you get up and you're preparing for the day, let this verse remind you of this powerful, powerful thought that Satan has given us. I've even had guys come to me and say, Can I, can I have another one of those? I'm going to tape it to the dashboard of my truck. And I say to them, yeah, you can have 10 if you want. That's fine. Put them anywhere you want to. But this is a reminder of maybe one of the most critical things that we have in all of Scripture to protect ourselves all the way through the journey of our lives. Brothers and sisters, my last thought to you today is simply this. Here it is. Are you ready? Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Let's pray together. Holy Father, we thank you so much for your word, which is a guidebook for us and which gives us direction in how we are to live our lives every day. Father, you made us and you know us and you know what we need. I want to thank you today, Father, for every man in this auditorium right now, for every woman, every young person. I just pray, Father, your greatest blessing and your encouragement and your nurture in their lives so that they will heed these words of Solomon and truly focus on guarding their hearts every single day. Father, to love you, to show you our commitment to your kingdom, and to show you our gratitude for saving our lives, we ask you to help us guard our heart. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.